If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of Is This From Real Life? Chronicling Life in the Peak Entertainment Era. And as we're winding down here in January, um, things are all, always picking up sports-wise. We've got the Super Bowl coming up in a few weeks. So who do you have uh, in that and who are you picking to win? We already see that the Philadelphia Eagles are on their way uh, to the big game, but who do you see them playing? I, okay, I'll jump back. I have the Eagles for a while. They looked the best this season, so um, uh, I'm glad they made it. And um, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I think Kansas City may just be too much for Cincinnati this time around. So yeah, uh, I see them Kansas City versus the Eagles, and I would like to see the Eagles win it. I, there's Same. something about the city of Philadelphia. It's just they, right. they they're different when they do sports. Those people are insane about their team. So I'd like to see yeah. them win. I, I'd like to see Philadelphia win too. And if Mahomes isn't healthy, they're not going to win. That's the only yeah. way I see Cincinnati winning. That sort of tweak of his ankle in the last game was a little dangerous. So we'll see how well he does uh, tonight. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get in the rest of our show here, starting with what's news. So uh, there's been a lot happening in the news in general, but we're going to probably stick to entertainment. <laughs> um, first up, Adult Swim announced that they were breaking ties with Rick and Morty co-creator. Um, I think his name is Justin Roy- Royland. Yeah, I think that's how you um, pronounce it. Yes, he was not only the co-creator of Rick and Morty, he also voiced both Rick and Morty. So Adult Swim said um, the series will continue with season seven and they will recast the voice actors for the lead roles. Um, He has been charged with domestic violence from an incident a few years back. So they cut ties with him. Um, And and Hulu Hulu has done the same thing as he was in charge of their series, um, Polar Opposites which is another sort of adult animated series that he was in charge of. So he is losing money fast. Yeah. Are, do you watch Rick and Morty or? Uh, no, I've seen episodes of it. Um, I'm, I'm glad that they let the creator, the animators and stuff keep their jobs though. That's maybe the one right. silver lining well, of that. But no, I, I don't watch the show at all. Yeah, me neither. And the correct title of that show is Solar Opposites. I had said Polar Opposites. It's a play okay. on polar opposites yeah uh in other news there was big drama around the oscars as they were announced this past week uh the oscar nominations were announced on tuesday or maybe it was the week before no it was this week um anywho um particularly in the best actress category there's some drama because um andrea riseborough who is a popular british actress um, we just saw her in the Matilda musical on Netflix. Um, she landed a spot after a very um, viral campaign on Twitter of uh, other celebrities and friends uh, sort of buying theaters, letting people see this movie and, and champion for her after not being nominated in any of the major award ceremonies other than the independent film spirit awards so she's landed at a spot for best actress for her movie to leslie 
And that's significant because unfortunately, um, there are no black women nominated this year after Viola Davis was sort of like a sure in for her role in the Women King. And then of course, Daniel Deadweiler, who was um, nominated at the BAFTAs, nominated at the SAGs and the Critics' Choice Award. She was another uh, lead contender. Um, unfortunately, neither one of them got in, uh, but we did get Michelle Williams, who many people think consider a supporting character in the Fablemen. So people were sort of uh, have issues with that nomination. And then Ana de Armas has been nominated for Blonde, um, which people are a little perplexed about because um, the Blonde is terrible. That was a horrible yeah, movie. Exactly. This it was not good. So um, I'm sure Resborough's performance is great, but it is troubling that, you know, the uh, director of Teal, and I cannot pronounce her name, um, prior to this, she directed an indie film, Clemency, starring Alfred Woodard, and uh, Alfred's a wonderful actress, and she was not nominated for that. So now she gets a studio film, Teal, another great performance by a Black woman, and it gets shut out for these sort of lesser uh, performances yeah. um, or unknown performances when for a long time, it seems that, <laughs> it, it just seems that the goalposts are moving for Black actresses, especially when only one has won Best Actress in the entirety of the Oscars. So, And, it, and it's just nuts. And I, I don't know, I guess I'm on the fence because look, if you want to get in the Oscars, I guess one way to do it is to back yourself and ask for help. So, I mean, I'm not sure how upset we can really be at it, but on the other side, I think the Oscar committee or the Academy could just been like, girl, nobody saw that movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Right. Um, it premiered like at <laughs> it premiered out South by Southwest last year, which would mean it would have came out of March of last year. I'd exactly. never heard Never heard the film until December it was on the podcast. Notes. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I don't know. I, I feel like the blame could be shared. So Yeah. And uh, the Cadden's actually reviewing the campaign procedures following this incident. Um yeah. so I don't know if they'll change the rules. I don't want them to take the nomination away because yeah. it is not her fault. But it just feels like they're allowing certain rules for certain people. And the those that are in support of Riceboro were people like Char Charlie Theron, Jennifer Anderson, Edward Norton, a bunch of white actors, celebrities with larger platforms. Like, where's the support for actors of color, right. actresses of color? Like, it just felt very odd. So, um, I don't know. I guess we'll see I, how I it all plays out. Yeah, I, I, I think she can keep her award, but it's just the things that happen when the, your entire institution's been racist for the past 95 years. It's just absolutely, and I, I don't think she's going to win anyways. And if she does win, then that's there's going to be hell. Like that's yeah. all I can say. <laughs> yeah, because um, people are gunning for Michelle Yao as yeah. she'll be the first openly Asian actress nominated for Best Actress. Because I guess the previous actress that was nominated was sort of hiding her 
ethnicity and for uh, the right reasons. Right, because, right. Different tones, different tones. Yeah, America was racist. So, uh, yeah. In some better news, Netflix has renewed some somebody feed Phil for a seventh season. So uh, I know people, including yourself, love that show. Yeah. So at least Netflix isn't canceling that. <laughs> yeah, man. It, he's so uh, quirky and just I don't even know the right words for. It. He he seems so genuinely excited for what he's te- for what he's eating and for the people that he's meeting. So um, yeah, it's really good. And speaking of Netflix, I forgot this. Um, there seemed to be a little drama on their reality series based on Squid Game. They tried to deny allegations that some contestants had gotten injured or a contestant had gotten injured and taken out on a stretcher. Um, yeah. Allegedly, they're filming like the first scene, which was like the green light, red light game or whatever. Um, yeah. But wherever there are, it's like Arctic temperatures. And they said, Contestants were struggling with frostbite and they had to pause production just to like get the feeling back in their limbs. I don't know. Um, But that idea just sounds bad overall. Like we did not need a reality series of a fictional show that kills contestants if they lose. Like it's not. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody asked for that. Just give us season two and be done. Over at the box office, Avatar 2 keeps on pumping on. Um, it is now the 11th uh, biggest movie grossing-wise in the U.S. and number four worldwide. So it's past Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, I believe, in the U.S., and then it's past Star Wars Force Awakens worldwide. Um, so it's broke. It's made its profit of $2 billion and, and then some, and it could keep on climbing as far as we know. I will wait until... I can watch it from my living room. Yeah, I believe it should be on Disney Plus sometime after the Oscars, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And in some unfortunate news, there were two um, actor deaths uh, announced today. First was uh, Adam Neon. I And I listened to pronunciation of that name earlier, and then I forgot it just that quickly. Adam Neon, I believe. Um, but most of us know him as sort of the... Um, Henchman and Lupin on Netflix. He's a Black French actor. Uh, He passed suddenly at the age of 56. Um, There was no cause announced, but um, that's so young. Yeah. And then even more worse news, um, Annie Wershing, who uh, is a popular actress known for voicing Tess in the video game The Last of Us, she has passed of cancer at the age of 45. Yeah. she was a very popular actress. She appeared in 24, uh, in Bosch, uh, recently on NBC's Timeless. Hmm. Uh, um, I remember her from Marvel's Runaways on Hulu. Um, very uh, popular actress. So um, condolences to both of their families. So sad news at the beginning of the year like this. And with further ado, we'll get into our next segment for our feature presentation. So this past week was the 2023 Sundance Film Festival, and I wasn't able to get a virtual ticket this time, so I'll just have to catch the movies once <laughs> once they get distributed. Right. Um, but the past week saw a lot of different films, shorts, documentaries, uh, dramatic pieces seen in Park City, Utah, where the festival is held. It's their first in-person uh, festival since the COVID. 
Um, and there are some uh, big named films coming out of this um, annual event. Um, most of them indie films, of course, um, but those indie films can go on to win the Oscar. We saw Coda yeah. premiere here two years ago and won the Oscar um, for Best Picture, as well as a Best Supporting Actor nom for, um, what's that guy's name? The actor that played the father. Oh, yeah, I can't remember his name uh, either. Troy Coltzer won the uh, Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for Coda. So uh, the awards were announced uh, this past weekend, as they always do at the Sundance Festival. And uh, we'll start with the U.S. Dramatic Competition. Uh, the Grand Jury Award, which is sort of like Best Picture, basically, went to 1001. And this is a film directed by a Black woman, uh, A.V. Rockwell. And it stars Tiana Taylor, who we all know from uh, being a music artist right. and other things like that. Um, uh, the logline is an unapologetic and free-spirited Inez kidnaps six-year-old Terry from the foster care system. Holding on to their secret and each other, mother and son set out to reclaim their sense of home, identity, and stability in a rapidly changing New York City. So congrats to uh, this director, um, and it's set to be released March 31st this year. Um, let me see if I know. I can't remember the people that bought the film, but that's definitely what I'll be looking for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Audience Award went to the Persian version, and this was a film directed by Miriam Kesh Keshavars. Um, when a large Iranian-American family gathers, a family secret is uncovered that catapults a strange mother and daughter into an expression of their past and discover they are more alike than, than they know. Uh, so this is more like a comedy drama, I believe. Yeah. Um, and it also won the Waldo Salt Screenwriting Award, which, I mean, I guess that means for writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, directing went to Sing J. Lee for The Accidental Getaway Driver. Okay. Um, and that set is about, it's inspired by the 2016 abduction of a long May. Uh, there's a typo in this description. Abduction of Long May, a Vietnamese American taxi driver in Orange County by three prison escapees. So that should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, next, we have the Creative Vision Award, which was won by Elijah Bynum for Magazine Dreams. And this is the film starring Jonathan Majors um, as a bodybuilder who's sort of obsessed with sculpting his body. He, I've heard uh, rare, rave reviews for the performance. Um, so definitely looking forward to that. Uh, acting went to Leo Mihil for Mutt. And Mutt is basically a series that follows... Um, a trans man transitioning and just the day of their life in New York City. So uh, Leo Mill is a trans actor. So definitely looking forward to that, that film as well. And then Best Ensemble went to Theater Camp. This was directed by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman. And it's about us, uh, some two uh, theater camp kids going back to their old stomping grounds to try to save it. It's like a satirical a uh, comedy about theater kids. Um, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so it stars Molly Gordon, who is one of the co-directors, Ben Platt, 
um, Amy Sedaris, Ayo Edabiri from The Bear. It looks pretty good. I, I always love a good satire, and I'm sure there's camp within the film. So yeah, absolutely. And then on the documentary side, um, the Grand Jury Award went to another uh, film centering Black women, Going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni Project, uh, directed by Joe Brewster and Michelle S uh, Stevenson. That was basically a documentary about the poet and activist Nikki Giovanni. Yeah. The Audience Award went to Beyond Utopia from Madeline Gavin. And that log line, um, basically it's a documentary that um, documents people trying to escape North Korea and its regime. Yes. Uh, directing went to A Still Small Voice from Luke Lawrenson. And uh, Loglang says, Maddie is an aspiring chaplain on track to finish her year-long residency in the spiritual care department at the Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. She offers emotional support and spiritual care to patients wrestling with uncertainty, trauma, and grief. And she's doing so in 2020 and 2021, the two deadliest years in U.S. history. Finally, balance balance becomes Matty's daily fight, especially when, as her supervisor, Reverend David, puts it, if your bandwidth is stretched, you don't have the room inwardly to metabolize the harder stuff that comes at you. It's no surprise that Matty herself needs support and guidance, as does her supervisor and his supervisor. What does care look like when everything around you seems broken? Uh, so basically... This is sort of tracking grief counselors at the peak of COVID at a local hospital in New York City, where New York was sort of like ground zero for COVID in the States. Yeah, it really was. So that sounds very interesting. Um, the Vision Award for documentary went to The Stroll, and this is a documentary tracking what used to be uh, well, what is now the New York City's meatpacking district, which used to be ground zero for trans women, transgender women of color um, working of uh, the docks and everything like that. I'm sure this is what was depicted in series at like Pose and Paris and Bur Paris right, is right. Burning. So basically it kind of explores that history, which has now been sadly gentrified um, into sort of Manhattan's busy financial district. And that was directed by uh, Kristen Laval and Zachary Drucker. Uh, that sounds interesting. Oh, and then Zachary, oh, oh, keep going, keep going. I just, I'm going to oh. look up something. Well, it says here Zachary Drucker is the producer on Transparent. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Her name sounds very familiar. Yeah, he produced Transparent. And he was the director for The Lady in the Dale, which was about the trans woman. Um, who tried to sell that car, that HBO Max documentary. Yeah, she, Zachary, is, she's trans as well. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And then finally, the uh, Freedom of Expression Award went to Bad Press. And this is a documentary centered on a reporter in the Mescoke Media in, in Okamulgee, Oklahoma, Angel Ellis. She's trying to fight... Um, tribal control to sort of um, quench free press and journalism in their uh, area. And sadly, in 2015, the uh, National Council passed the Free Press Act. Wait. Yeah, National Council in 2015 repealed the Free Press Act. So journalists did not have the same freedom as they would um, in this tribal area. So it's, it talks about that fight in the Native community to try to get news 
out to the people, which is very interesting. You don't, you wouldn't think that community would struggle with that, but right. you know, you know, white supremacy and control, you know, it doesn't care who sort of holds that power. So all interesting titles, definitely. And then on the cell news, um, just some films that uh, got bought up at the festival. Theater Camp was purchased by Searchlight. Um, Netflix spent $20 million for Fair Play. This is a movie directed by Chloe DeMont starring Alden Hundrich and Phoebe, uh, Phoebe Dynavor. Dynavor. Oh, yeah, I know you're talking about. I just, yeah, yeah. From, from Bridgerton. Yeah. Uh, and this film explores uh, two lovers that uh, get hired at the same finance firm. But mm -hmm. as um, one rises and the other doesn't, the relationship meets a bitter end. So I think it's exploring sort of like the sexual dynamics at work and what can happen. She's choosing good roles post Bridgerton. I'm really happy yeah. for her. And that's a good thing because um, I think with roles like that, you can get so pigeonholed. Right. Just become doing the same thing. So yeah, to break out is very good on her part. Yeah. Uh, the next was Kokomo City. And this was directed by Dee Smith a trans woman who got her rise in the um, music industry as producer. Hmm. Uh, this was purchased by Magnolia and explores trans sex workers. Okay. Uh, Magnolia also purchased the Little Richard documentary, I Am Everything, which got a lot of rave reviews as well. So I'm looking forward to um, watching that because Little Richard, I know it was a running joke, but he is the basis for modern rock and roll. Like, yeah. Everyone stole from him. Um, Amazon Prime purchased the documentary Confessions of a Psycho Killer, which sort of explores the serial killer Patrick McKay. Um, he, he was a UK killer who attacked a man with an axe, as well as other atrocities. Netflix also purchased uh, Run, Rapid Run. I believe it's a thriller starring Sarah Snook from Succession. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's called a maternal horror flick. Okay. So that's been interesting. Um, and then Apple bought Flora and Son. And I heard a little bit about this movie. Yeah, um, I read something about that as, as well. And, and it's actually, if I'm not mistaken, it's it's kind of a, a musical as well. Yeah. Or it's, and, or it's based on music. Mm-hmm. And this is a big deal because Apple, of course, had Coda, which won the best picture. Right, um, right. Like Florence Sun stars Joseph Gordon Levitt, Eve Hewson, um, some people I don't know. But the logline is Flora, a single mother who argues with her son Max in an attempt to find him a hobby, retrieves a guitar from a dumpster and discovers that one person's rubble can be a family salvation. Hmm. And that's directed by John Carney. So it seems like uh, this was successful. Sundance. I'm sure there'll be yeah. more films, uh, both foreign, uh, shorts, animated documentaries to come that we can discover throughout the year. Right. right now, we'll take a quick break and when we come back, we'll get to our streams of the week. All right, this week, we've got uh, some new streams, of course. And we'll start with HBO Max. I see that you watched the new film starring Ralph Fiennes, The Menu. Yes, I did. I have made a list of everything I need to get through for the Oscars, and I'm actually doing pretty well, to be to be fair. Um, 
so yeah, I, I kind of had some idea what this was about when I went into it. I knew who was in it, Ralph Fiennes, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, and uh, Nicholas Holt, or maybe the main three, but I was also taken back. It was like, uh, I'm going to butcher his name. John Leguizamo. Uh, Leguizamo. Uh, you know, it's actually kind of a, a packed cast, but mm -hmm. so it takes part, this eccentric uh, chef invites these people out to uh, like his restaurant that's kind of like on an island somewhere. It's very secluded and away from people. And uh, he's he's going to cook them like a seven course meal, I believe it is. And so they get there, he starts cooking and the people are like, well, this is weird. And then they find out that, you know, they're all there for some reason is the thing. And uh, each person has its own reason. Each person has its own faults. And he makes kind of a kind of like a connection with Anya Taylor Joy because what we learn is that she is she's kind of like a call girl. She's there because she she wasn't initially on the guest list. She's there because Nicholas Holt's character needed somebody else to go. But um, but yeah, it, it, there's there's humor in there. It's it's pretty dark, um, but it's funny and uh, I won't spoil it for those who watched it. But it the ending is is really kind of artistic and funny. <laughs> But yeah. one, of the, one of the funnier jokes for me was uh, John Leguizamo's date is kind of like pleading for her life. And he, she's like, well, I, I, I wasn't supposed to be here. And, <laughs> and Ralph Fiennes is like, where'd you go to college? And she's like, Brown. And she's like, um, she's like, uh, he's like, well, did you, did you pay out of pocket or was it to, were you able to cover it or did you have to get student loans? And she was like, yeah, I didn't have student loans. It's like, you're going to die. And it was so funny. The delivery is hilarious, but, um, um, but yeah. Overall, it's a it's a really good movie, and um, I think uh, I'm not sure how it would do with the Oscars, but it, it's worth seeing. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it for the most part. I wasn't sure if I got the message altogether. I think it, of course, it was skewing to the social class and yeah, those that sort of covet an experience like that. Um, in an awkward way. Again, Hong, a, a excellent performance from Hong Chao, who's nominated yeah. again this year um, for The Whale. Um, I got into more of The Last of Us, episode two. Did you happen to yeah. see the second episode? Yes, I did. I did. Okay. This episode was called Infected, and we were introduced to uh, the second version of these sort of um, in infected human beings uh which are dubbed the clickers because they click <laughs> literally yeah, um, yeah and the way the the fungi has sort of grown on them they're blinded but um can hear so right. their their faces are sort of like this mushroom type shape right. looks like a brain outside of the head basically yeah. um, I, I, I think the clicking is supposed to mimic echolocation like bats and other animals use so right because since they can't see but right. they have excellent hearing um so yes we find out joel and tess find out just how special ellie is um she was bitten and never turned right. um we explore sort of the the land outside the qz zone in boston um, we see that everything's sort of like preserved by the environment. Um, 
uh, Joel and Tess are to escort Ellie to the rendezvous point with these other smugglers to trade them for, trade her for the truck and arsenal and things of that nature. Um, as we said, they meet up with the clickers in the museum, which was a harrowing scene. I'm pretty sure that's pulled right from the video game, like the way they have to crouch behind the shelves and tiptoe and basically shoot them multiple times in the head for them to die. Um, in the game, you have to sort of like divert them by throwing bottles in different directions and all that sort of stealth uh, activity. So that tussle with the clickers and we come on the other side of that, they get to the rendezvous point and everyone is dead. I don't know if other, I believe other humans did it. I don't know if there was like a breakdown communication, something went wrong. Right, right. And um, at the wit's end, Joel exclaims, you know, it's over. We have to go back and test the man. She can't go back. It's not her home. Um, and they figure out that she was bitten. So she hurt her ankle in the clicker fight and somehow got bit by the neck. And depending on the location of the bite, the closer it is to your brain or whatever, the faster it moves. So um has sacrificed herself right there and tells Joel, you know, make this right, save who you can save. And she, in a harrowing scene, she um risks her life, but is overtaken by um by the runners. Um and we learn yeah. also that the way the fungi grows underground it works as sort of like a beaconing signal. Like if you step on the cordyceps in one area, the way it could- like Wakes up. Yeah, it reaches the other ones like a hive mind and makes yeah. them aware of your location. That's exactly what happened here. Joe killed a cordyceps that had awakened and the vine sort of went underground and alerted this group of runners that they saw previously. And they were there within minutes. Um, what did you think of that final scene with Tess and the runner, how he sort of brought her into the fold? It, the I think the most unsettling part are those little things coming from their mouth. Like part of me wants to just like pull them out. I don't know what it is, but they're so weird. They're so strange, but um, I don't know. I, it was kind of a, a crazy scene because she's sitting there looking at him worried and then just one of them finally stops and you're like oh yeah she's definitely done you know she's caught but um yeah i think that we uh it, it was a good scene i didn't think she's ever going to get that thing to light yeah and i read somewhere that apparently her difficulty in getting it, the liar to work was the fungi slowly sort of taking control of her her being yeah, her body yeah uh, yeah so uh, episode three will have premiered by the time you hear this. It's entitled Long, Long Time. And we're supposed to meet the formidable Bill and Frank, uh, played by Nick Offerman and um, Murray Bartlett. So we'll see what they entail for episode three of The Last of Us on HBO. All right, over at Hulu, I finally finished The Old Man. <laughs> it's only seven episodes, but it took me like a week and a half to get it done. Um, but it's an excellent <laughs> series. Um, 
stars Jeff Bridges, John Lithgow, um, Aliyah, uh, Shawkat, um, from Search Party, um, Amy Brenneman. Uh, it's about uh, Bridges plays a former CIA agent who went rogue and then disappeared um, because of his actions from a past mission. And he's forced out of hiding when um, a new threat has arrived that threatens, basically threatens U.S. history or U.S. security and goes of his past. Um, it's adrenaline rushing, but it's also very cerebral. Um emphasizes a lot on what's in a name and identity. Um, but great performance across the board. Um, it has been renewed for a second season. So not sure when that's coming, but I'll be ready. It was really good. We're jumping down to Peacock, which surprisingly finally made it in the Nielsen's top 10 with the best men final chapter. So it's making some some ground on in the streaming era. I know before it really struggled to find an audience. <laughs> but um, before we get to our mutual watch, I started Poker Face. Uh, this is the new series from Ryan Johnson of Glass Onion, Nice Out fame, and stars Natasha Leon as a woman who can tell when people are lying. And it's, it's sort of like a modern twist on sort of the mystery dramas that used to air in the 70s like a Columbo or yeah. a murder she wrote um where Leon's character um works at a casino and she's sort of been ostracized from gambling because of the tales she can make um and when her friend is murdered she um easily solves it mm. but unfortunately the people that were responsible want her dead so she's on the run and as she's on the run she runs into people and unfortunately murders occur and she solves them so uh they released the first four episodes on uh this past thursday and each new episode drops on thursdays but this the cast is stacked we've got benjamin bratt adrian brody hong chow um little rails and it's uh it, it, it goes on and on, just just the cast they were able to pull for this series. Chloe uh, Sevney, uh, Dasha Polanco from Orange, New Black, Orange is New Black, Tim yeah. Meadows, Jamila Jamil, Judith Light, Ron Perlman. It's a name's name of actors in the show. And it's gotten um, great reviews so far. People are calling it Peacock's first great original series. So, Wow, okay. Definitely check it out. It, it's funny, but but good. Because Na Natasha just has, she just has it, and she always has, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's she's, she's just, uh, she's like the epitome of cool. That's like the only way to put it. Definitely, definitely. And then we both um, watched Todd Field's uh, Oscar-nominated film Tar, starring Kate Blanchett, um, about a um, famous orchestra conductor sort of fall from grace, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, what What were your thoughts on this two-hour and 37-minute movie? Oh, I'm glad you said that. It was too long. That's definitely problem yeah. number one. Um, but it was very... I thought it was decent. I, I could... 
it seems like an Oscar film. It seems like a film like the Oscars would eat up definitely. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I, um, as much as I love Kate Blanchett, I can't say that I was like blown away. You know what I mean? Yeah, she, I mean, she's a wonderful actress and she performs well, but like you said, it was way too long. I felt they could have accomplished a bit more in a tighter frame, tighter time time frame. Um, Because the beginning was a lot of like exposition just on who who Lydia Tarr is and right, right. sort of like her accomplishments and sort of like this aura she has in her life and sort of like her status, um, which I don't think we needed for like hours or so on that. Yeah. There was there were hints of, you know, some nefarious activity happening or uh, something that went away with a past assistant or something, but we and it sort of gradually guides us to what occurred. Um but yeah, it, it. I was expecting a lot more. Um, the way the trailer portrayed it, I was expecting for the story to go a bit darker than it yeah. actually actually went. Like there wasn't the total sort of like horror esque elements that I thought I was going to get. Yeah, I definitely thought it was going to be more. <clears throat> dramatic or more of a drama I, it it was a weird I, I don't know which category you could put it in I guess they'll put it in the drama but it just um I don't know it lacked something that everybody else must have seen not that it was bad but it definitely yeah it didn't hit me the way I thought it was yeah and there was a moment near the end where there's this sort of revelation about Tar um and her origin you're like Oh, so why aren't we investigating? Like it, it was just like a a blip of something that was real interesting, but then it right. went away. Um, and then the ending, of course, I guess she was quote unquote canceled. Um, but again, it took forever to get there. I was like, <laughs> right. But there are a lot of good things that I think the film did. I like the whole uh, kind of almost like horror element of showing her slowly slipping into just, um, you know, paranoia, the, you know, the screaming woman, the the clicking of the metronome in her home and all these different things that she's hearing. I thought those were really cool. Yeah. I I loved all those elements. They just never led to what I thought we were going to get. Right. I thought there would be more of a sort of like horrific, reveal or yeah I don't know but I did like those elements right and I kind of um, I don't know yeah I I can't I can't really put my finger on what it missed but yeah I think shortening it would have helped definitely (laughs) yeah it was so long yeah um because I think if we had shortened, we would got maybe the beginnings, that entire interview, whatever at the beginning, mm-hmm. kind of gave us like how she was or whatever. Um, but yeah, like some of the, like you said, some of the horror elements were great, but they just didn't lead to the big dramatic finish I thought we were going to get or 
sort of like dramatic conflict. Right. Um, so yeah, I did not I understand. Give, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say I'll, I'll give it to Kate Blanchett for learning German. That was incredible. Yes, very like, much so. <laughs> now, Alec Baldwin's listed in this cast, but was he in that movie? Not that I remember. Maybe he's a producer. Could be. Because he's definitely up here right after Mark, Mark Strong. But he was not in that movie at all. Hmm. Also, speaking of Strong, that wig they had on him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? It was almost comedic. Uh, like how bad one, it was. I, I, what's funny is that as serious as the movie was supposed to be, there were funny moments, though. Like When she walked up on that little girl at school. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, who says I that? Said, I said, ma'am, are you okay? Right. She said, I will get you. I said, oh. Right. Yeah, and I know it wasn't funny, but when she fell, like, because she thought someone was chasing her, I said, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I was just expecting a more upcomings uh, or whatever yeah. for her than, and if I'm not mistaken, like, wasn't this, like, originally written for a man? Or am I, or was that something I made? Yeah, up? I, I don't know. I don't know. Because I could see it being written for a man. Just the um, the 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 content of the story itself. Um, right, right. But yeah, it, it was decent, but it definitely felt a lot to the left a lot to the imagination. I think the runtime definitely sort of damaged it a bit. Um, but I appreciate some of the conversations they had, um, the one she had with her student about uh, Bach and his feelings about sort of like, it really questioned like, how are we experiencing art with the knowledge of the artist and that sort of art versus the artist conversation? Yeah, yeah. That was, that was interesting. Yeah, he was... Uh... BIPOC and I think he said like agender or something is how he and yeah he said he just did not connect with white cis men anymore in terms of the music so yeah it was that was interesting yeah so yeah I glad didn't go to the theater to this because yeah it was just so long like I was it's something it's something gonna happen other than her hearing things and then right yeah yeah, I watched it in parts. I did. I watched the first part of it, then I took like a break, and then yeah, I said, okay. I sat through the whole thing and, and wondered like, huh, okay, we're only halfway in. <laughs> we're just now learning that old girl, you know, sadly died by suicide, but like right. Yeah, it, it I I can understand what it was trying to say, but it could have said it a lot quicker. And I think it would have made it a bit more suspenseful in the in the shorter time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's just one of our uh, Oscar picks that we'll be trying to clean up here as we stomp toward March 12th. So I'm glad we both were able to catch that before it got yeah. <laughs> too, too far into the year. Um, yeah, but I will say the score was amazing, especially... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In the end, the end credits, I thought sort of like the mix of orchestra and sort of electronic feel was very interesting. Yeah. All right, so what are you streaming for the weekend? 
So this weekend, I got a couple of things that come in. Um, I believe, can't remember the date, but we have Pamela, A Love Story. This is a Netflix documentary on Pamela Anderson. Um, I want to say Tuesday. Yeah, I think I believe it's oh, Tuesday, the 31st. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's that. And then on the same day on Netflix, there is a documentary called, not documentary, more of a mockumentary called Kunk on Earth. And this is by a woman named Philomena Kunk. And she is, I don't know, uh, she, this is kind of like her style. She's, I guess you'd call her a comedian, but she's very dry, very um, kind of witty, but it's like a mockumentary on all these different things. So she's going to like landmarks and talking about stuff and it's more silly than anything, but I'll probably check that out as well. Okay. Uh, for me over at Hulu, I have um, Killing County. I believe it's a docuseries produced by Colin Kaepernick. Uh, investigates uh, Bakersfield, California, where um, unfortunately has a high murder rate. Um, yeah. And I believe it's supposed to investigate like the the struggles to solve crime there and why that particular county, Kern County, has such a high crime rate, along with, you know, police corruption and suspicion. So I may take a look at that um, just because, you know, I like true crime and fuck the police. <laughs> and then over at Prime, um, February 2nd, they'll be releasing the second season of Harlem. This was sort of like the comedy series starring Megan Good that came out last year about four uh, Black girlfriends living in New York City, their personal life, professional life, stuff like that. It was a fun watch. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what happens in the next season. Okay. As always, as always we thank you for listening to another episode of It's a Streamable Life podcast with me, Lauren, and Brandon. Please like, review, and share the show on your platform of choice if you like what you hear. And if you don't, let us know at Stream for Life Pod on IG or Stream for Life on Twitter. That's S T R M, the number four, L I F E. Uh, next week, I think we'll just continue trying to knock out these Oscar uh, movies as they become yeah. available. And we'll be talking more about the films and the run for the Oscars. So it's going to be sort of like a movie packed. Uh, few episodes the next few weeks so yeah just hang on for the ride a lot of stuff to get through <laughs> yes exactly until then keep on streaming peace